This is Pastor Phil Mentor. I'm the pastor of Harvest Worship Center in Tryon, Georgia. We'd like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. Every week, we try to broadcast our Sunday morning celebration that begins at 1030. This is the celebration of who Jesus is in our lives. We hope and pray that you will enjoy this message and that God will draw you closer to Him through it. I love it when we come together because I think church should be a place where people see us, yes, cry, yes, uh, weep sometimes, but it also should see it be a place where people see us laugh. Amen. Amen. I told you I serve a God that smiles. You serve a God that smiles. I do. I serve a God that smiles. So it's good to have you here. I hope you're ready. We're diving into a new, a new series over the next few weeks, and uh, I'm excited about this series. I'm excited because uh, as I was uh, just kind of praying over what the Lord would have me share next, uh, I really had planned to just kind of do some standalone sermons uh, and start this off, kick it off probably in November. But, um, man, the Lord just kept leading me back to, no, we need to go into it now. And uh, I, some of us, we, we're just, we, we try, we're just too tame. We're just too tame. We, this, so this series is Untamed, Unleashing the Spirit uh, uh, in Your Life. And we need to unleash God's Spirit to do some things in our life. God's ready to, to work in your life. God's ready to work in your family. God's ready to, to, to move in the lost in our community. But guess what? Uh, again, the church is plan A. They're not plan B. There's no plan B in existence. God's not looking for us to do something for him. Pardon me, I'm a little bit uh, <clears throat> sinusy today. So uh, with that said, before I do anything uh, else, it's my wonderful time to embarrass my wife. It is my red-hot smoking wife's birthday today. So, yeah, so. And yes, I married above my pay grade. I really did. But some of you did. So anyhow, um, so God is so good. God is so good. I don't even want to know what went on back there. So anyway, all right, so Untamed. If you have your Bibles and you want to uh, look with me, we're going to be in Galatians quite a bit during this series, and I'm going to give you a couple of anchor verses in just a moment. Uh, and we're going to talk about what it means to, uh, about unleashing, unleashing the Spirit in our lives. God is longing to do some things, but guess what? The Spirit of God is not going to just bulldoze over you and, and, and say, okay, you're my puppet. I'm going to, uh, you know, you're going to be used by me. No, he, he wants a willing heart. And when we get, the wonderful thing about salvation is, yes, whosoever will can come. And, and, and it is the great leveling place. Aren't you thankful for that? Because it doesn't matter if you, uh, you know, if you're a child and, and, and the biggest sin you have is, is, you know, not going to bed on time <laughs> or if you have committed the greatest atrocities in the world. When we all come to the cross, we're all sinners in need of the same grace, the same mercy, the same love of Jesus. And we find that at the cross. It is the leveling field. It is, it is level ground for you. It's level ground for me. It doesn't matter where you come from, what side of the tracks you're from. It doesn't matter about your pedigree. It doesn't matter how you were raised. When you come to Jesus, you are a sinner in need of that salvation. But I think so many times we get anchored in and we get stuck in, uh, in a certain place of, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And yes, that 
that is true, but there has to be a level up somewhere. We have to realize that, yes, I am a sinner saved by grace, but God has set me free from my sins to no longer be a cha- chain to those things, to no longer be a prisoner to those things, and it is time for me to begin to mature in my faith and become the man and the woman of God that he wants me to be in this world so that the light of Jesus might shine through my life no matter what my occupation, whether that's student, whether that's a career, wherever you're at in life, that the light of Jesus can shine through you the way that God has purposed it to be. And the only way that's going to happen is with a maturing in your life of your faith in Christ. And that doesn't come uh, uh, come just automatically to us. That comes with some work. And that means allowing uh, uh, allowing myself to, uh, to realize that God is untamed. He is untamable. I, that God is spirit. And the Bible says those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I'm here to t- tell you, when you unleash this wonderful God in your life, amazing things can happen. But if you want to keep him boxed in and fenced in and, and, and restricted in your life, guess what? He's not just going to just bust through and say, no, I'm going to do it my way. He's going to, he does not negate your free will at, at the cross. That doesn't happen. You have free, you can freely come to him and you can freely walk away from him. And that, and that is your choice. You don't, look, he wants you to serve him by choice, not by, uh, by obligation. Does that make sense? There's a lot of people who serve by obligation. They, they I, I got saved, and so I got to get church off my list. I've got to, uh, you know, I got to pay my tithes. I've got to, you know, attend Bible group. I've got to read my Bible. And, and you know, how many's ever, you know, Mark made the list of what they had to do in order to be the good Christian they ought to be, and then you fall short of the list. I've fallen short of my list all the time. And when I made lists, it was like, you know, I got to do this, this, and this. And when I check all these things off, I am acceptable to God and God can use me and God can work through me. And then I read about God using a donkey and I feel much better about myself. Much better about myself, okay? And so what are you saying? God wants to unleash his spirit in your life. So let's, let's dive into some anchor verses today, and we'll go into these thoughts a little bit more. And those who belong to Christ, verse 24 of chapter 5 of Galatians says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And now we're going to back up in a moment and go to verse 1, but I wanted those are kind of the anchor verses that I want us to get in our hearts over the next few weeks as we explore the, un, the untamed, as we uh, explore this thought of this untamed God in our life. Uh, I, again, listen, let's just get a little bit of, of, of description here. When I was in, in, in college, I sat in, in a theology class, and I was, you know, I was 19 years old, <clears throat> sitting in a theology class, and my uh, my instructor was teaching on 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 the nature of God, and when he he began to describe God, he began to describe him like I'd never heard him described before. And one of the words he used is a Latin word when he was talking about creation, and it's an easy word to learn, and you can impress those around you, and it's really easy to say. And and so everybody say X. You're not participating. X nihilo. Oh wow, you are so smart. Wow, y'all are amazing. Ex nihilo is a Latin word that, which simply means out of nothing. God made everything out of nothing. There was no raw materials that he began with. God spoke and then it came into existence. It is hard for you and I to realize that we have a beginning and we have an end. 
That's tough. That's difficult uh, for us to realize that because we have a beginning and end, that God has no beginning and no end. Because everything in our life has a beginning and has an end. You may build a house, but eventually that house will come to an end. It may be 100, 200 years. I know there's old homes around and old structures around, but eventually there's an expiration date on that. Somewhere when you hold that new little baby, guess what? There is an expiration date. Now, don't strip it down and look around. It's not printed on it anywhere, but there is an expiration date on life. And all of us, according to uh, James, says it's a vapor of smoke. It's here one moment, it's gone the next. And so life does have a beginning, life does have an ending, and there's nobody going to escape that. Every one of us have an expiration date. And, and so my question is, what are we doing with the time that we have? What are we doing with what God has blessed us with, whether it is uh, moments on this earth or where, whether it's uh, uh, like Sister Winifred. She is 100 years old. That's incredible, isn't it? 100 years old and still with us. And when she's not in church, she gets mad. She loves to be in church. And you know what? I, I want that desire. I hope everybody gets that. You know what? Y'all know, all, everybody shake her hand. Maybe it'll rub off on you. But she, she loves to be in church. But guess what? It doesn't matter. There's still an expiration date on this life. All of us, no matter how long we think we might live, you can, listen, <laughs> you, can do, you can do everything you can to prolong your life. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. All right, because you can shorten your days if you don't take care of what God's given you. However, I believe we, we, we need to understand life is short. What is 80 years on this world? What is 100 years in this world? If you talk to Sister Winifred, it's been a short life. It's been a short 100 years for her. Why? Because, listen, life is short. It's short. It's a, it's, and so my question is, what are we doing with it? Well, uh, Paul has something to say to us about that. And, and, and look, we, if we want to restrict God in our lives, it's really a miserable existence. It's, it's a miserable thing to keep God in a box and realize that, that, that you know, he wants to do so much more. But this word ex nihilo changed my life because all of a sudden I, I, I knew he had done it out enough, but begin to really think about that, begin to think about how out of nothing God spoke and and then all of a sudden, you know, out of his mouth, <laughs> light began to fly. Out of his mouth, the, the planets were, were formed and the stars were, were, were formed and the moon and the sun. And, the, and, and then all of a sudden, he takes uh, and speaks into existence the fish and he speaks into existence the birds of the air. And then all of a sudden, he begins to take dust, which is one of the most worthless substances on the earth. It didn't say dirt. It said dust. Dust has no value to it. Dust, you can't grow anything in dust. You can't, not at all. You can't grow. As a matter of fact, over 90% of the dust in your home is formed off of your dead skin cells. Isn't that nasty? That's just gross. But it's off of you and your family most of the dust. So, you know, when, you, when you're dusting your house, there's a little bit of grandma. There's a little bit of, you know, anyway. <laughs> Anyhow. Listen to me. So dust has no value. If we got a pile of dust together and we tried to plant seed in that dust and watered, there's no nutrition nutrients in that soil in that dust, and so it can't grow anything. However, God takes the most worthless thing, which is dust, and He means to shape it into this form, which is known as man. And God Himself, instead of saying, "Now come alive," He He takes His own breath and breathes into what is the most worthless thing, and it becomes the crowning jewel of all creation. He says, now you will be the head of all creation and you will watch over what I have made. And he sits back after he's done with Adam and he says, it's good. It's good. 
And so then after Adam has named all the animals on, that, that, that he could find and he looks around and there's nothing for him, God puts him to sleep and he takes a rib from Adam and he forms a woman. And then all of a sudden Eve walks by and Adam goes, whoa man, and that's how woman became woman. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You think there's good-looking people on earth now. I believe that, look, these are the, this was the first man and the first woman, and I were without flaw, okay? God does it right. God does it right. And so, anyhow, this God took something worthless and made it something great. I'm here to tell you today, God is still taking worthless things and still making them great when he can breathe upon them his spirit and his life. The problem is, if I'm resistant of that, he can only do so much because he's not going to force himself upon you. Now, again... If we, uh, again, and those who belong to Christ have been crucified, with, uh, crucified and the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be, become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's back up to verse 1, which simply says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Have you ever been envious of some people's worship? I have. I have. I've been envious. Look, I (laughs) love, I'm going to get myself a little bit of trouble here. But when I grew up, dancing was a sin in in holiness churches. And, 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 you know, you didn't dance. If If you was dancing, you better be shouting. It was a sin when I was growing up. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I love watching this generation cut free and worship God. Have you, have you ever sat back going, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I had that kind of freedom. And this is for this generation. Shame on you if you waste your freedom. Yeah, you can clap. That's good. I love Pam. Pam's going to let me know it. Don't you love when Pam's at church? She keeps you going. What are you saying? Don't waste your freedom. You've been given a rare opportunity. Worship God in spirit and in truth. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Then in the next few verses, verses 2 through 6, Paul begins to talk about the law of circumcision. And and what he's doing is referring to the old covenant when God came to the children of Israel and he said, we're going to have a covenant. I will be to you a God and you will be to me a people. And look, every covenant worth anything has always been sealed in blood. And so the covenant that God made with, with, with the children of Israel was sealed in the blood of circumcision. And so when circumcision took place, that's how they became part or, or sealed their, their covenant of he is our God and we are his people. But what had happened is some had begun to take the yoke of uh, or, or the bondage of this old religious practice, which Christ, by the way, did away with, and he's saying to them, look, you got to do this if you're going to be a good Christian too. And so they're putting an unnecessary yoke of bondage upon the people. In other words, listen to me very carefully. Religion will tie your hands. Religion will keep you bound. Religion will take the freedom that God has given you. And that's what he's addressing to, in this passage of Scripture. He's saying, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again 
again to the yoke of slavery. He's saying, listen, if you're not careful, you'll be enslaved by religion. And Christ didn't come for the religious. Christ came to reestablish relationship. And I'm here to tell you today, God is not needing more people religious in this world. He's needing people to have a relationship with him. And I'm here to tell you, a relationship with God means that I walk with him and talk with him. Look, anybody, anybody ever get freaked out when somebody says God talked to him? But you don't get freaked out when somebody says the devil does. But we get freaked out when somebody says, well, God spoke to me today. God speaks to me every day. Oh, really? You hear Charles and Heston's voice in your head? And no. I've never heard an audible voice, but he speaks to me every single day through his word, through songs, through worship. He speaks to me every day through a friend's conversation. How many has ever been thinking about something and thinking, man, this, something needs to happen in my life. And then out of nowhere, a stranger or a friend speaks the very thing that you were thinking. Oh, what a coincidence. God is not into coincidence, my friend. He is into having a relationship with you. And if he's trying to communicate with you, he'll do it. It's not a mystery. It's not rocket science. God speaks every single day. Every single day, God speaks to us. I've heard God speak through the cry of my children when they were babies. Oh, my goodness. You know, I thought I knew what salvation was. My baby girl's going to be 16 in just uh, another couple of weeks. And, and, and I was thinking about when I first held her in the delivery room. And look, I've been preaching this gospel a long time. And 16 years ago, I had still been preaching this gospel a long time since I was 19. I'll be 5-0 here this month. And I'm here to tell you, I've been preaching since I was 19 years old. And, and so I, the, I'm not a stranger to the scripture. I'm not a stranger to, to, to telling people about the salvation of the Lord. But I'm going to tell you right now, when I held my, my little girl for the first time, God redefined right there in that delivery room what his love was for me. Because I couldn't imagine taking that child and saying, for, for, for all of the world, I'll nail her to a cross. I couldn't imagine that. And all of a sudden, when I thought I had salvation figured out, and I thought I knew everything there was to say about it, God redefines himself right there in the delivery room. And of all places, among a bunch of Tennessee fans, the whole delivery room, I told them God could use sinners. Anyhow, that's right, whatever that noise was. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying I've heard God speak to me in many ways. I've heard, I've seen God speak to me when I'm, I'm on a ferry coming back from uh, in the Aegean Sea doing missionary work in Europe and I'm on a ferry coming back from Santorini Island and as the island's disappearing, I'm watching this brilliant sunset of orange and yellows and, and, and color and all of a sudden I feel the warmth and the presence of the Spirit. What are you saying? Oh, that's great because you're a preacher. It's not about being a preacher. That's what God's called me to be. But I am a son. I am adopted as a child of God. And that's my father that loves me. It's not about who you are. It's not about your pedigree. As Dave would say, it's not about your label. God wants to speak to us. So many times I love what one minister wrote. He said, we pass burning bushes every day, but we're too occupied with ourselves to see them. 
Do you know that? You're passing by God's voice in your life every single day. But what happens is if we're not careful, religion... Now, I, I don't have anything to do with horses. My, my daughter loves to ride them. My wife loves to ride them. But, but, you know, I don't know. I tend to get hurt. So I've never ridden a horse, never thought about riding a horse, not been one of my greatest desires. I think they're magnificent animals. By all means, they are magnificent animals. But it's just never been up on my list. I want to be a cowboy, but I'd rather be one in a Jeep. You know, those Chevy commercials driving up, you know, that kind of thing. That's my idea of that. But they're magnificent animals. They're magnificent creatures, horses are. The strength of them, God made them that way. As a matter of fact, they represent many things throughout the Scripture. Throughout the scripture, they represent many things. But you know the amazing thing about a horse is a horse has to be tamed and broken. And, and they learn to do what? They, they put blinders on them because horses have, the, have vision, magnificent vision, okay? More, better peripheral vision than you and I. And so they have to put blinders to force the horse so the horse will go where they need it to go. There are too many people with religious blinders on their lives and they are missing the real picture of what it means to live an untamed life, to allow God to be free in their life, to use them the way he wants to. I'm not talking about religious nuts. I've been around those. Anybody ever been around a religious nut? You say, well, you're one. Okay. (laughs) Listen, I have been around people who were so heavenly minded they were no earthly good. I have. I've I've been around people that all they, you know, they talk in fluent King James. And I'm like, man, I'm not that holy. Come on. I'd rather be around people who are real. Just because I live live a life for Jesus doesn't mean I've got some inside track. I'm going to let you something, let you in know, on something. When I was called to preach, God didn't say, now don't worry about it. I got all your stuff covered now from, from here on out. You don't have to struggle. No, as a matter of fact, I realized the struggle was amplified. It was amplified in my life. And so as I'm walking this walk, I'm learning as I go about this untamed God in my life. And, and I walked many years with religious blinders on. Uh, you know, this is, this go this way or when I'm pulled this way. And, 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 and I've been around some people who were just absolutely religious nuts. They, were, they, 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 were no, they weren't good for the kingdom because they were so weird nobody wanted to be around them. But, you know, and they would claim the scripture in Peter that says, for you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. (laughs) Peculiar didn't mean weird. I looked it up. Doesn't mean weird. As a matter of fact, it means set apart for a purpose. Have you been set apart for a purpose? Have you been set apart for a unique purpose? thing in your life you say well all I am is fill in the blank but do you realize that what you are whatever that blank is maybe it's a nurse maybe it's teacher maybe it's maybe it's mill worker I don't care what it is student God has a divine purpose for you he sets you apart and it's not to do your own thing it's to be used of him to affect the kingdom of God because when it all comes down to it God is looking to see how effective we are for him 
Religion will blind you to the purpose of God in your life. Amen? I'll give you an example of this. The Pharisees. The Pharisees were a unique group of people. The Pharisees devoted themselves to the laws of the Old Testament. They were devout followers of the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, they were so scared of violating the the Levitical law that they added a hundred and something plus laws, oral commands to the written law. And they would, you know, they would write them in a box and tie them to their forehead and they would walk around and they would pray out loud in the streets. And they were seen by a lot of people, but people also feared them because they, they were enforcers of what they felt like was the will of God upon the people. So if you were doing wrong and the law dictated that you needed to be stoned to death, they were the first in line to throw the rocks. Okay, you need to understand that. But they devoted themselves, if you read about the Pharisees, they devoted themselves, give you a little Bible lesson today. There were two groups of people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and there's one thing that separated. The Pharisees believed in a resurrection. Uh, The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They believed once you were dead, you were dead, and that's why they were sad, you see. Okay, that's how you learn that in theology class. So anyhow, you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so these people were people you didn't mess with. Okay, the common people didn't want anything to do with these folks because they were too holy for them. And then if you got into the priesthood, it really got, t- got you know, t- they were peculiar. They were strange. They were weird in a lot of ways. But these group of people, they devoted themselves to one thing in the ancient, ancient world. They devoted themselves to recognizing the Messiah when he came. They were going to recognize him. They would see him and they would know and they would let the people know this is the Messiah, the promised one, the deliverer of God's people. They devoted their whole lives to that. But when you begin to read in the Bible when Jesus comes on the scene, He's standing toe-to-toe with them, face-to-face with them, and they hated Jesus. They hated everything about him. They smelled the breath of our Savior, and they couldn't recognize standing before them was the same one that breathed life into that dust, and it became a living being, that same one that spoke, and the worlds were framed by his words. You see, they could not recognize who was right face-to-face with them because of their religion. They thought they had it figured out. I got news for you. I've been doing this for many years and I still don't have it figured out. It's a walk of faith. Every day I read the scripture and all of a sudden God makes it brand new. Have you ever read a verse of scripture? Here we go. This is audience participation time. Have you ever read a verse of scripture and then maybe a month or two later you read it again and you get a whole different meaning out of it? You know why? The scripture hasn't changed. You have. You're a new person. You're being made new every day. So you're looking at that with new eyes, with new insight, with with hopefully a renewed spirit. And all of a sudden, God says, now I can reveal deeper things about me to you. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying simply this. We got to take and unleash the spirit of God in our lives, and we got to realize you cannot tame him. You may feel like you can. You feel, may feel like I got it all figured out. I am, I am very, very careful uh, to walk carefully around people who think they got it all figured out. I've been there. I've done that. One of the things that's killed a lot of churches in, in time past has been these simple words. Oh, we tried that. It didn't work. Okay? That's sad because God's spirit can do anything, anytime, any place. 
And you're going to need that untamed spirit in your life eventually. There's been a few times when I thought I was going to lose this wife of mine many, many years ago when we first moved here. Thought she was going to die. I'm going to tell you right now, and doctors are telling me she might, we might lose her if we don't get a hold of this. She had pneumonia so bad. I can tell you right now, when I thought I was going to lose this lady, I didn't need some nice little religious friendly prayer prayed for me. I want somebody to get on their face and cry out to Jesus. I don't know about you. How many has ever needed somebody to get on their face and cry out to Jesus? And Look, there's a time when pretty prayers don't work. When polished prayers don't accomplish anything. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, don't be like the Pharisees who love to be heard for their many words, but their hearts, their hearts are wicked. He said, instead, when you pray, you pray like this. Abba, Father, Daddy, I got to have help. Some of us need to quit polishing our surface and start getting on our face and getting some calluses on our knees saying, God, I can't do this without you. Let me just ask you real quickly, and you don't have to raise your hand to this or applaud. I just want you to think about it. How many of you really want power in your life? The real power of God in your life. How many want to know when you call on the name of the Lord that it's, that, that you know, how many's ever felt this way? You can raise your hand to this because I'll raise both of mine. That, I can't get a prayer past the ceiling. Anybody ever felt that way? Thank you for your honesty. There's some that should have raised their hand. We've all felt like our prayers were like in vain sometimes. But you know what I, I began to realize when I began to, to really study what God was about? The good news about that is God isn't above the ceiling. He's in the room. He's in the room. Because he is everywhere at every moment and every time. And so when I think my prayers can't get past the ceiling, that's pretty good. Because when I'm kneeling, he's right there beside me. He's hearing me even when I don't think he's hearing me. He's listening to me even when I don't think he's listening to me. And he is responding. He is responding. So this group of people who'd come against the Galatian church to enslave them, this particular individual, he's never named in Scripture. Um, and I'm surprised because Paul usually would call them. Out. If he knew the name, he'd say who exactly who it was. You don't need to mess with him. But there was a, a man in Scripture who was trying to enslave the Galatians into religious practices, saying you can't be a Christian unless you do this first, unless you cross the, you know, your T's and you dot your I's. You say, that's so sad. I'm glad it doesn't happen today. It happens in churches every single day. It happens in the minds of individuals every day. How many in the world have ever thought, when I get my act together, then I can get right with God? You ain't going to get your act together. I'm not going to get my act together. If I could get my act together, I wouldn't need Jesus. But because I can't get my act together and you can't get your act together, we all need somebody to come in and help us. And his name is Jesus. And he is, he is a willing participant in that. He wants to be involved in our lives and he wants to help me do what I cannot do for myself. In other words, he wants me to grow in him. Verse 7 says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He's talking about the same individual. He says, you were doing so good. And then somebody come in and they're trying to shackle you and hinder you from accomplishing what you need to do. I'm going to tell you right now, some of us, we need to begin to evaluate relationships. 
And if the relationship is not pulling us towards Jesus, but it's pulling us away from Jesus, it's time for us to do some changing in our lives. And that's, look, that's talking about friends. Some of us, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Oh, but I'm going to evangelize them, but they're not, but you're not. If you're not doing that, if you, in other words, if they're pulling you more their way, then you are pulling them, you know, <clears throat> it's time for me to pick on a few people. Uh, uh, let's, let's pick this nice little couple right here. If you hadn't got him coming to church, he'd have never found the Lord and he'd have never been baptized. And it's because you insisted that he comes to church. And, that, you know, if you're going to be with me on Sundays, that's where I'm at. And you know what? Praise the Lord. He's in the kingdom of God today, not because he came with his girlfriend, but because somewhere he came to the cross. Amen. 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 Somebody said, oh, that's, you know, we don't need to grow a church that way. I don't care how you grow it. Date them and bring them. But if they're pulling you out of here, you better hear me. And I'm not just talking about the physical church. I'm talking about if they're pulling you away from Jesus, you better evaluate it. You better evaluate it. Amen? I'm not a cheerleader. I'm a preacher. You were running well. You were doing so good. And then let's put it in terms that some of us can understand. You were running well and then you fumbled the ball. <laughs> you were almost there and then you fumbled. Oh, if I only had a video or two. I'm picking. What are you saying? No, I'm serious. Any of our football players ever fumbled? <laughs> Man, I wouldn't even go pick you on you today. That's what he gets for dating my daughter. What are you saying? Look, mistakes happen. He was eating fried chicken before the game. That's what happened. So. Listen, folks, we all can fumble in this life. We can all fall short, okay? But Jesus is not going to fall short. He's going to help us. And look, he's saying, you did well, and then somebody hindered you. Hindered you from what? From obeying the truth. You, you took the truth and put it aside and embraced religion. And because you put the truth aside and embraced religion, you now are becoming hindered in your walk with God. I'm here to tell you right now, religion will anchor you down. It will not propel you forward. It is that relationship with God that sends us forward for Jesus. Yes. Now, as we explore this series in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it means, okay? I love a song by Hillsong that says, uh, and it's an old song now, um, but it says, on Sunday I pray for revival, on Monday I can't find my Bible. God is ready for us to carry this Jesus, not just in church, but outside these walls. He's ready for us to unleash his spirit in our life to use us wherever we're at. In other words, we cannot contain this creative spirit of God that wants to burst forth on this world and show them that he is the God that changes lives and saves souls. Yes. In our congregation, we have those who have been raised in church and we have those who have been in many, many walks in life. They have been down bad roads. Some have been in prison. Some have been in addiction and some have battled different things in their lives. 
But it has never been religion that has set the captive free. It has always been Jesus that has set the captive free. And my friend, Jesus came not to this world to offer the religion that many wanted, but he came to to offer freedom. Freedom and relationship with God. Amen? If I and me and my wife were, were trucking on in our marriage, and I'm thankful for the years we've had together, but if I only tell her I love her because that's what a husband's supposed to do, come on. That's sad. Is marriage a relationship? It better be. I'm taking appointments after church for those that think it's it. It's a relationship. When I married my wife, I married my best friend. That's true. I never understood guys that just battled to get away from their wives for a weekend. I didn't didn't want to be away from her. I wanted to spend my weekend with her. I wanted to hang out with her. Why? Because when I married her, I married my best friend. If I can understand that in this life, in this earthly life, why can't I understand that God isn't somebody that just wants to hang out with you on the weekend for a couple hours? He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be a part of it. He wants to be involved in every part, not just the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Amen? I want to close with this. Come on, Tina. And I've shared this illustration, but I just feel led to share it again. All of us have rooms in our house that we keep straight in case company comes by. <laughs> come on. Some of, some of y'all, y'all like my mom, you walk in the house and you could do surgery on the coffee table and she's going, it's a mess. Love you, mom. She's watching probably. But it's the truth. My mom's house is a wreck, but it's never been a wreck. And I've never, she, you won't see a wreck come around our house. We got kids. We live in it. We live in, we live in our house. What are you saying, Pastor? But, you know, everybody likes to keep a couple of rooms just right. So if somebody does spring by, just uh, you take them to those rooms. Come on. But how many's got that closet or that room or that basement place? Anybody? Come on. There's some truth. I see a few hands going up. You got that place that you're not just going to invite anybody to go. How many has a guest bathroom? How many's got guest? Mom had those. But if you got caught with one of those, your life would be in danger. Guest towels. They only went out when the guests came by. Let's imagine our lives as a house. You know, church is where we let God into the rooms we want him to see. But I want you to know something today. He loves you enough for you to carry him to that closet. He loves you enough for you to carry him to that room. 
But you don't want to go in there, Jesus, because in there is things that are not pretty. They're ugly. It's attitudes. It's behaviors. They're nothing like you. So I keep them out of your sight because I don't want you to see them. And Jesus says, can you take me there? Because I want to see it. Well, Lord, you died for me, but you died for the nice parts of me. God says, no, not really. I died for all of you. Can you take me to the room? Can you take me to the closet? I'm going to tell you what happens when when you finally get enough courage to carry God to those places. When you finally open the door to the room that you don't want anybody to see. You know, the part of you that you keep suppressed because it's not the best you. If you have enough courage to carry him there and open the door, he'll walk in that room and I'm going to tell you exactly what he'll do. He'll look around and he'll say, you know what, Phil? Forgiven. Oh, and that's awesome. But there's something else he's going to want to do. He's going to look at you and he's going to say, now, together, let's start cleaning this room out. Let's start making some changes. But Lord, it's hard. I've tried. Yeah, but you tried by yourself. You've tried to do it all on your own and you failed. You've never had me on your side. You've never had the one that framed the worlds on your side. You've never, you've never had the one who is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You've never had the one who's known as Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. You've never had the one that could take all of creation, wrap it up and drop it in his eye and it wouldn't even make him blink. You've never had me on your side. But Lord, are you really on, your, on my side? Well, look in the book because it says, if God be for us, who can be against On behalf of Harvest Worship Center, we would like to thank you for listening and worshiping with us today. For more information, please visit our website at tryinhwc.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We would also like to invite you to come and experience the presence of the Lord with us in person. We are located at 456 4th Street in Tryon, Georgia. Our morning celebration and evening celebrations are every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Wednesday night is Worship in the Word night. We have classes for every age beginning at 7 p.m. We look forward to meeting you.